Hi there, welcome to the Kids Way Podcast. We are a podcast committed to helping kids stay in the way of the King. And if you've never heard of King Jesus, well get ready, you are going to love Him. We pray that you would also learn more about what it means to be on His narrow way. We also use various tools to encourage and teach, from fictional stories to scripture reading, to music and sometimes even bringing in some kids to contribute. You can find us online at www.kidsway.ca and there you will find links to our Facebook page and also other info about Kidsway. Before getting into today's episode, we want to thank Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music collection. If you would like to check out more of Jamie's music, you can find him at soulmusic.ca. That's www.solmusic.ca. Well, let's get to the story. We pray you are encouraged and pointed to King Jesus through today's episode. Hi there, welcome back to Kids Way Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our story of Shamgar and the Unlikely Bride. Today's reading will be Chapter 4, The Unexpected Return. After speaking more with Ada, I said that I was going to turn in early. I let her know that she was welcome to anything in the house, even some of my mother's clothes that had been stored away for years. She said thank you and that she was planning to go up to the tomb in the morning to see if she could honor Joshua with some anointing oil for his body. I smirked and said, Good luck getting past those guards. The only one they'd move that door for is the Pharaoh himself. Unmoved by my skepticism, she responded, Well, it's worth a try, if nothing else for my own sake. With that I went and laid down and don't really remember much after that other than maybe resolving not to go back to the barracks and let them do what they want with my armor and weapons. It was nothing to me now. My sleep was a mixture of deep sleep and moments of restlessness. Several times I woke up thinking that only minutes had passed, but then according to the lack of sunlight, much more than minutes had passed by. Later I heard Ada go out, and I mumbled, waste of time, to myself, and drifted back to sleep. Never again would I consider an act of service to Joshua a waste of time, for impossibility would be forever redefined in my mind. I do not know what the precise time was, but I remember waking to the sound of Ada yelling outside my window, He's alive! He's alive! 
I could not think of who she might be talking about, for I did not know that anyone was missing. But then suddenly I remembered that she had gone to the tomb to see about getting in to anoint the body of Joshua. But before I got out of bed, she came bursting into the room and shook me with all her strength, still yelling, He's alive! Tears were streaming down her face, and she was so excited that every time she tried to explain what had happened, she either started to laugh or cry, or sometimes both at the same time. As I was desperate to know what had happened, and at the same time concerned that she was going to kill herself for a lack of breathing, finally, after much pacing and shouting, I got her to sit down and draw in some deep breaths. Okay, I said calmly, tell me what happened. And as she began to explain the event of the morning, I found it almost impossible to believe. She began, Well, I got up just before the sunrise, as I had said, and made my way down to the court of tombs to see if there was any way I could anoint the body of Joshua with some oil. As I made my way through the quiet streets of Arden, I saw the sun begin to break through the darkness. And no sooner did the light hit my face than did the ground beneath my feet begin to shake. I fell down upon the street and covered my head from any falling debris. After a few moments it stopped, and I looked around and quickly made my way to the court of tombs. As I approached the gate leading into the court, it had been wrenched open as though it had been rammed from the inside. I carefully passed through the gate, and as I looked up I felt despair, for the guards were recovering slowly on the ground from being unconscious, and the door that was previously covering the tomb was wrenched to the side. I first thought that someone had played a nasty trick and had stolen the body, and so I raced up to the entrance of the tomb. By the time I got to the door of the tomb, the guards had stood up and ran away screaming and mumbling something about seeing a ghost. As I peered into the tomb, my eyes were momentarily blinded by a source of light shining from the place where Joshua's body was laid. I averted my eyes and knelt down due to trembling knees. But a firm and yet joyous voice said, He is not here, but he has risen. Do not fear, but go and tell the good news to Shamgar. At the news of him being alive, my heart began to race within me, for I somehow knew that the messenger of light spoke the truth. I looked up, and he was gone, but the cloth which was wrapped around Joshua was still in place. Like the shell of a once wingless butterfly, it laid within the cold and lonely tomb. And so I ran back to the gate, looking around the court, and then my eye caught someone who I did not recognize at first. But I ran over to him and asked him, Sir, did you see what happened to the tomb that was sealed? Do you know where the body went? But then the stranger opened his mouth and spoke to me, saying, Ada, it is I. And again my heart leapt for joy within me, for I knew it was Joshua. Truly he had come back as the messenger had said. Go and tell Shamgar to wait for me in the gardens of Arden, and I will meet you both there tonight. And then he was gone as quickly as he had appeared. I stood motionless for a moment as I tried to clear my eyes of the tears that poured from them. As soon as I could see clearly again, I ran back here as fast as I could, no doubt waking everyone as I did. As Ada recounted what had happened, I found that my mind and heart went from overjoyed delight to skeptical doubts. Perhaps it was my habit of wanting to see evidence for myself, 
or my over-analytical mind, or just the depravity of my own doubting heart, but whatever the reason, by the time she had finished I could take it no longer. I had to run and see with my own eyes. And so, before Ada had even finished her final sentence, I jumped up and pushed out the door and broke into a full sprint. As I came around the corner by the barracks, I saw my captain standing outside, and he shouted as he saw me approaching, "'Well, you are lucky you showed up when you did!' But to his surprise, I ran right past him and pressed on to the court of tombs. With my lungs starting to burn inside my chest, I closed in on the gate of the courts. I could see that the gate was as Ada had described it, and a few people had gathered around to inspect it. It really did look like a battering ram had hit it from the inside. Not wasting any time to inspect the gate further, I pressed through the gathered people and continued to run for the family tomb. I could see the door pushed off to the side, hinges broken, like someone had simply picked it up and cast it aside. With my heart racing, I approached the door to the tomb and hesitated before peering around the jam to look inside the tomb. But as curiosity overtook me, I quickly stepped around the side of the door and looked inside of the tomb. I think part of me fully expected to see the body of Joshua still laying there, but to my joy I saw nothing but the grave clothes laying empty in the darkness. As I took in the scene, I felt the joy welling up from the depth of my being, and as it began to reach my head, it was as though it was pushing a tidal wave of shouting and tears in front, for I began shouting, Praise the king! Praise the prince! And my eyes became fountains of tears that I could not control. Never had I experienced such happiness, such joy and ecstasy, for I knew that the rest of Ada's account must be true. Truly Joshua had risen. He is alive, and he conquered death itself. Without thinking, I began to sing a song that I didn't even know I still knew, for my father had taught me it when I was little but I had long since pushed it from my mind, or so I thought. It went. Praise the king and praise his son, praise his healer three in one, from the rising of the sun until the setting of the same. May the creatures of the earth praise his name. I was startled back to reality by a figure at the entrance of the tomb. Hoping it was perhaps Joshua, I jumped up, but then as the figure spoke, I quickly realized that it was far from Joshua, but rather the captain himself. He spoke sternly. I don't know what's gotten into you, Sham, but I promise you that if you are behind this ridiculous setup, then you might meet the same end that Joshua did. Fighting back the urge to defend myself, I said, what was the report of the night watch? At that, the captain fumbled for words, but finally said, Well, um, it, well, it, it would seem that, well, the only intelligible word that we've been able to get out of them is ghost. At that, I quickly responded, Not a ghost, but a risen body. Ada talked with him and touched him. Joshua has truly risen back from the dead. But to my shock, the captain responded with scoffing and said, Ha! You in that waste of a life, Ada, have only seen what you want to see to ease your conscience and justify your unreasonable behavior. With that, he spun around and mumbled as he turned, 
You're sounding as crazy as your father, and now you've thrown away his dream for you as well. I admit his comments did sting a bit, but instead of snapping a smart comment back, I turned my mind again to Joshua, for Ada had said he planned to meet us tonight in the gardens. I quickly left the court and made my way back to the house. When I entered through the door, I noticed that Ada had fallen asleep and was resting peacefully on the bench by the fireplace. It was the most peaceful I'd ever seen her, and I had to force myself not to wake her so that we could talk further about the events of the morning. I decided to prepare some food so that we had strength for the remainder of the day. I could not wait until evening so that I might actually see Joshua for myself and talk with him and ask him to forgive me for my betrayal. I looked around my house and wondered for a moment if I should pack something to take. But then I decided that surely Joshua would simply take us into the kingdom of his father and we would leave the cares of this life behind. The hours seemed to pass like weeks and we waited for the evening to fall and the time to come to make our way to the gardens. Ada and I must have retold the events of the morning a thousand times after she awoke and we made endless speculations as to what would happen now. Would we be escorted to the prince's kingdom by the mighty warriors? Maybe a chariot or a parade? Surely, however we would arrive at his glorious kingdom, it would be magnificent. I could hardly wait to leave, and so I began pacing around the room, checking the place of the sun with every passing of the window. While it seemed that time was standing still, finally the sun began to set, and we both agreed that it would not be too early to make our way to the garden. After grabbing a cloak to wear, we both slipped out the door and started towards the gardens of Arden. I don't really remember any previous times that I had been at the garden, at least recently. I do remember taking walks with my father there as we talked about everything from my training to the days when mother was still with us, but I had not been to the gardens in a very long time. After walking across the city and nearing the edge, we began to see the tops of the trees over the rooftops. The evening torches were lit and casting light onto the entrance of the garden. It seemed quiet and very much as it always had, rather unused and uninteresting. As we entered the garden, I was reminded that we had not eaten since brunch by a delicious smell of cooking food floating on the evening breeze. After rounding a bend in the trail, we saw the flicker of firelight off to one side in a small clearing. Just before passing by the fork into the clearing, we heard the sweetest sound. Come and eat. We have much to discuss. It was Joshua. His voice sounded sweeter than a thousand songbirds on the first day of spring. My heart leapt within my chest and Ada shrieked with joy. We both started to run towards the voice of Joshua. As we approached him, he started to laugh and said, Welcome. I thought you might come. As I came to Joshua, I was overwhelmed with a feeling of shame and began to sob. I fell down at his feet and said through my sobs, I am so sorry, my prince. Can you please forgive me? I felt his strong hand reach out and rest upon my shoulder, and he gently said, Shamgar, do you love me? And I said, Yes, my lord. And then he said, Then nourish my bride. And just as I began to calm down, he asked again, Shamgar, do you really love me? And taken aback, I answered, My prince, surely you must know that I do. And Joshua said, Then tend to my betrothed, Shamgar. 
And as I almost started to affirm my previous care for Ada, Joshua again asked me, Shamgar, do you love me more than anything? And with tears starting to fill my eyes, I said again, My prince, I do, and I'm prepared to forsake all for you. With that, Joshua wrapped his strong arms around me and said, Very good, Shamgar, then you must serve my bride. As Joshua stepped back, he set his gaze upon Ada, who was standing just off to our side, and he also embraced her and gently kissed her on the head and said, My love, truly you will come to where my father is, and there you will share in the glory the father has given unto me. You will be a bride adorned with more beauty and splendor than the world has ever seen. And again Joshua started to laugh, and his laughter was so rich and genuine that we all began to laugh and sing the songs of Mamlika, songs of victory and celebration. And Joshua served us freshly cooked fish and dried figs. He gave us both a flask of newly opened wine, and we enjoyed fellowship like I had never known. After a moment of silence passed, I turned and asked Joshua with all sincerity, My prince, when do we leave for Mamlika? We do long to see the glory that you had with your father and to dwell with you in that glorious city. And what Joshua said next was the last thing I had expected. I thought he must be joking at first, but then by the lack of laughter I realized that he was serious and that the struggle in many ways was only beginning. With a serious kind of look in his eye, Joshua started. Truly, you will come to where I dwell, and you will be there on the great wedding day when I am forever joined with my betrothed. But the way will be hard, Shamgar, and it is for this purpose that I have raised you up and redeemed you to myself. I must go ahead and prepare a place for my bride. It is for you to bring my bride Ada safely across the great desert of Chosek. While I must return to my father, I will be with you and I will send to you my helper and physician. He will give you my very eyes and ears. He will guide you into all truth and warn you of the dangers that lie ahead. He will see to it that you finish the journey before you and that you arrive safely at the gates of my glorious city. I remember there was a long pause of silence before another word was spoken, but finally it was Ada who broke the silence and said, My king and my redeemer, how is it that we will survive such a journey? For I have heard that everyone who has ventured into the deserts of Chosek has never survived more than a week before dying of thirst. Joshua spoke gently again. Yes, truly with man, this journey would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. My strength is made perfect in weakness, and it is as you both overcome the desert itself that all the subjects of my father will marvel and know that truly there are none like him. For he has appointed you to be the evidence of his power and his grace. Through my blood poured out for you, all the strength and might of Mamlika will be set upon you and displayed through you. Ada responded with a simple, Yes, my lord, may we live to display your power and kindness. I stared deep into the fire that was just now a colony of burning coals. I felt so many questions begin to rise in my heart. I was beginning to see that it was futile to attempt a prediction of what Joshua would do and how he would go about doing it. This journey through the desert made no sense to me. 
Hadn't Joshua paid the price for our deliverance? Was he not the prince of the most powerful kingdom in the universe? Surely he could have simply said the words and we would have all been transported to the gates of the great city. Why the difficulty and trial? Why the path of suffering? Joshua had alluded to a display of power and grace, but I couldn't help but wonder if there was another way that that the great king's strength could be displayed. A way that was easier, perhaps. While I thought my days of military training were finished, I was starting to feel like they were actually just beginning. Undoubtedly, even in all my years of battle, I have never faced a challenge like the one that lie before me now. While my mind was spinning with questions, it seemed that one became dominant in my mind, and so I voiced it to Joshua. I blurted out, Why can't we go with you now? Joshua smiled, as though he'd already knew the questions in my mind, and said, Do not fear, Shamgar, for my spirit will be in you, and although you will have trouble, take heart, for I have overcome the world. As I have learned obedience through what I have suffered, so must you and Ada walk in the path of suffering, that you may know me and become like me. I asked another question, But my prince... When will this helper come? How is it that he will be in us? Joshua said, Soon I must go and be where my father is, but when I go, not many days from now, I will send my physician to you, and he will abide in you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. For I lose none of those of whom the father has given to me. Joshua continued, Do not worry about what to bring on the journey, for this age is passing away, and only that which is eternal will remain. Bring only your cloak, your staff, and a day's portion of food, and water, and these things that I will give to you. Suddenly Joshua said, Follow me. And he picked up a bag, lit a torch from the fire, and began to walk. We both jumped up and followed after him. After only about six paces, he stopped at the edge of a pool of water, and he instructed me to wade into the pool, and so I did. And then he instructed me to wash myself three times in that water, and so I did. And then Joshua said, As this water washes the dirt away from your body, so has my blood washed away your sin. And then he instructed Ada to also wade into the water to where I was standing. And he said, Joshua, As I have commissioned you to care for my bride and nourish her and bring her safely to where I will be, I want you now to immerse her in the water in the name of the great king, my father, in my name, the eternal son, and in the name of my spirit, the great physician. And so, after forcing myself to place my hands on Ada, for her appearance was still repulsive to me, I did obey. And just as Joshua commanded, and in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, I carefully dipped Ada gently into the water and then raised her back up. And as she came up out of the water, I almost dropped her back due to the change that took place. The woman that I had immersed into the water was the ugly, diseased, and repulsive Ada that I had always known. But the woman that came out of the water was beautiful and had skin as soft and pure as a newly born child. Suddenly the rags that seemed to suit her so well became very out of place and inappropriate. 
Even Ada knew that something had changed, for she could not stop examining her reflection in the water, and then when she was convinced that the change was real, she burst out of the water and fell down at the feet of Joshua, and with tears of joy she praised him and thanked him for making her new. For it was not the water that had changed her, but the same power that had cleansed her feet on the night of Joshua's death. After a few moments, Joshua reached around and picked up the large sack that he had carried with him, and then he reached inside and pulled out a beautiful new garment of white. He knelt down gently and said to Ada, Let us remove these rags. I averted my eyes as Joshua removed the dirty rags and then clothed Ada in the new robes of white. As I looked back, I could still not believe that this was the same woman who had entered the garden with me that night. She was more radiant than I had ever seen, now clothed in a robe of white. Again Joshua spoke, These are the garments of my love and my favor upon you. As you abide in them, you are covered in the blood of my sacrifice, and my Father smiles upon you. In these you will be welcomed into my glorious city, and welcome to the marriage feast, while I will be betrothed to you forevermore. Then Joshua bid me come, and I came up out of the water to where he stood. He also told me to remove my garments that were stained with dirt and filth, and while I desperately wanted to wear the glorious white robe, I hesitated for fear of being naked and exposed before my prince and redeemer. But I knew that the only way to wear the new garment was to remove the old, and so after Ada had turned the other way, I also removed my old garments and humbly let Joshua clothe me in the robe of white. While the shame of being exposed before my prince was hard, it in no way compared with the joy and honor that I felt as I was clothed in the wedding garments of the prince. Knowing that in this garment I would be given access into his glorious kingdom. And then as Joshua reached into his bag again, and this time pulled out a set of armor, he placed upon my head a helmet that fit as though it had been formed specifically for me, and while it looked to be very heavy, it seemed weightless and in no way restrictive. Likewise, I received a breastplate of the same mysterious material, and a belt perfectly sized to my waist, a pair of plated boots, and a shield bearing the Imago symbol. Lastly, I was given a sword and sheath to carry upon my belt. Clearly, this armor and shield and sword had not been made in any forge in Arden, for never had I seen such magnificent craftsmanship or a unique material from which it was made. Let us return, said Joshua, and so we followed him back to the fireside. As we walked, Joshua instructed, Shamgar, may this armor and weaponry aid you as you make your journey to my city. They are not for your own progress alone, but given so that you might protect and care for my betrothed. There are only a few things you need to know before you are ready to start your journey. First, because you are clothed in the robes of white, all of Mamlaka is for you, and my father is for you, and his ear is turned towards you as his own children. As I have walked in communion with my father through prayer while staying in Arden, you may also commune with him in prayer in my name. Because my father is over all, and it is in him you live and move and have your being, you may call upon him any time and know that he hears. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father is pleased to grant unto you. For when you seek my good and my glory, then you seek what is dear to my Father. Joshua continued, 
Secondly, the book that you picked up on the night of my death contains the sacred writings of Mamlika. Do you still have it? I had totally forgotten about the book, but I know that I carried it home that night and set it on the shelf containing other books my father used to read, so I said, Yes, my prince, I have it in my father's house. Joshua nodded and continued, You will find not only the history of my father's plan unfolding, but in the latter part of the book you will find letters of promise, love, and instruction that you are to read to my betrothed. It is by this book that my healer will instruct you, nourish you, and strengthen you. When doubts plague you both, it is then food to nourish your souls. Pay close attention to my words, and do not neglect to read it to my betrothed, that she might be reminded of my love and given assurance that she is mine indeed. Lastly, I want us to eat one last time together before I must depart and return to my father. Joshua reached down and brought out some unleavened bread and a flask of wine. He broke the bread before us and passed us both a piece and said, This is the sign of my covenant with you. And as you partake, may you remember my body broken so that you might live and come to dwell with me. Joshua gave me a fresh piece of bread and stated, This piece of bread will not run out. And so partake of it often so that you remember my body broken and my sacrifice for you. Then Joshua opened the flask of wine and passed it to me and said, This is that you might remember the blood that was shed for you both that by my sacrifice you have been made new. I passed it to Ada, who also drank, and then returned it to Joshua. Joshua then passed me an unopened flask and said, This too will be continually filled, that you might both remember my covenant sealed in my blood. Give it to my betrothed often, that your hearts might not turn away from me. As we partook, tears filled my eyes as I recalled the great sacrifice that Joshua had made so willingly. Even now he did not complain of it or speak as though he regretted it. He set his love upon us and redeemed us even when we betrayed him. When I gladly offered his life for mine, he gladly gave his life that we might live. We listened until the early hours of the morning as Joshua taught us and continued to speak of the helper whom he would send. He spoke of the glory of his father's kingdom and the splendor that we would share with him once we arrived. Oh, how I wanted that time to last forever, basking in the safety and fellowship of my prince and my friend, my redeemer and my savior. But Joshua said, My departure will be soon. The hour now approaches. Which is manifest within, is displayed to every man, and many more men to him, so we do not lose heart. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Tune in next time and we'll see what happens as our story continues. Remember, if you would like to write to us or find out more information, you can find us online at www.kidsway.ca. And don't forget to head over to www.soulmusic.ca to find many more songs that Jamie Souls has written and recorded. See you next time. May God bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. things that are unseen.
through the eyes of faith we see them. Flex your muscles, don't trouble. 